today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Let's bring in Andrea Perella, Associate Professor, Director, Laurier Institute for Study of Public Opinion and Policy, Wilfrid Laurier University, and is with us now. Andrea, thank you so much for the time. Uh, greatly appreciate it today. My pleasure. Can you sell politeness and clean politics and accuse the opposition of chasing ambulances? Where do you draw the line here? Well, that's a good question. I was trying to get my head around that as well. Um, I, I, I think I think if the next election is going to be a polite election, it will be the first in Canadian history. Uh, elections are naturally very democratic. <laughs> that's um, a very and you know what they've been saying this all along. Everyone they all start out this way, but then they go seriously wrong. Yeah, well, it's basically you, you, it's in a street fight and, it, and it's house by house, uh, so it's impossible to to. Um, um, execute a campaign and not get your hands dirty and, and, and not pull out the, the weapons. Uh, it's very difficult. Now, you don't have to go full-on nasty. I mean, that's, that, that, there is a, a, a contrast, there is a distinction between running a positive campaign and a full-out attack ad campaign. Um, uh, but a positive campaign need not be polite. Uh, polite holds back, and that just makes one potentially vulnerable to the attacks of an opponent. Uh, to defend against that, you have to have a bit of a crest, a bit of a, a fortress yourself, uh, and it's very difficult to do that if you're going to be polite all the way through. Um, that's true of anything in life. You know, you want to compete in business, you want to compete in sports. Um, you play by the rules, but you're not necessarily polite. You you are. You got to be tough. You got to be tough. Uh, it doesn't mean being cruel. Uh, and, and even in sports and business, there are rules against being cruel. Um, so, so is chasing ambulances cruel, or just uh, is it nasty, or is it aggressive politics? It's, it's nasty. It, it's in the area of where you're attack t- attacking character. Yeah. Um, and in the in the repertoire of attack ads, or if you want to put it, attack uh, campaigns, uh, the ad hominem one is most common. Where you are attacking the character of someone, right? Uh, and so, th- is that the line? Is that is that the fine line? Oh, uh, that that's a little bit over the line. But yeah. th- th- once you cross it, there is a long journey to go down. But is that the line? Is the, is it the is once we attack character, that's when it's gone from aggressive to nasty? Is is that the character? Is is that the criteria rather? Well, it's one. Um, there are many ways in which you can cross the line. There are many lines here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a single line. Uh, there are many ways in which you can cross the line from being positive and informative to being nasty and, and manipulative. Um, and it, it's fine to be even to, to, to be negative. It's fine to say the problem with the opponent's views on whatever, on uh, environment, on, on trade, um, is, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, but my party is better because of you know, uh, A, B, and Z. That's different. That that is a contrast. You're drawing a contrast um, between uh, between sides. But when you're attacking character, or trying to establish a narrative of false dichotomies, like you know, we have two types of Canadians: those over there and those over here. Yeah, that that forces people to think, well, which one am I? And then it's it it's, it it breeds to the polarization that Trudeau is, is talking about as well, um, or generalization that because uh, Trudeau may have made a statement on, on or is uh, holding back on um, um, th- this uh, uh, Tory Stafford situation, mm-hmm. um, they say, oh, he's soft on crime. Well, that is a generalization. There is a whole range of what, what is referred to in philosophy as logical fallacies. 
Um, and if anybody has taken a logic course or a philosophy course, they'll run into this list. It's a long list. So there are many ways in which you can manipulate and use uh, narratives to be nasty. Um, and, and politics is full of them. How do you ID this and not be polarizing? Well, good question. Uh, I because think... uh, Let me interrupt here. Because it, it seems, and I've said this many times on the show, it seems we've become a land of extremes. We're either on the far left or we're either on the far right. What has happened to the people in the center? But by me even identifying that, I'm being polarizing. Well, when you're in the center and you're looking at this civil war of ideas and, and attacks uh, and nastiness, even when, it, even when one or both sides claim to be positive or try to be positive and it degenerates into the occasional mudslinging, the person in the middle says, forget about it, I'm not going to vote, I'm not going to participate in, in this muck. And that is the, the, the risk of going negative, that is the risk of, of, of um, using attacks. It, uh, it suppresses the vote. In, in electoral politics, there are three objectives. Convert an opponent, in other words, have them change their mind on how they vote. Mobilize your people and suppress the people of the other side. Attack ads or negative campaigning tends to suppress. It doesn't persuade too many people. It's not like you know, a Trudeau voter will say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to vote conservative now. It's, it's unlikely for an attack ad to change a mind. It's more likely to suppress those who are not yet sure where they stand, and the, the negativity just depresses them. It turns them off. Why haven't we? Why haven't we seen? And again, it's it's polarizing all over the world. Why haven't we seen parties, politicians, organizations take advantage of that empty spot in the middle? Why has it become a land of extremes? How long before the pendulum swings back to the center? Because in an election, there are actually two campaigns. The first one is the fundraising campaign. And when you agitate your, your base, as they say in the States, when you, when you excite them, um, they donate. Hmm. They donate funds. Uh, and that is the one campaign that you need to win in order to execute the second campaign, and that is for votes. So it's a calculus. What do we do? Do we appeal to the center and maybe find more votes there? And, but my opponent is, is racking up a lot of money because they're angering their base because, uh, with these attack ads, and they can buy more they can buy more campaign. Reasons. So it's more profitable to be an extremist. Well, yeah, in a way, yes, uh, unfortunately. How do we combat that? Well, I don't know. Let's take money out of the equation. Um, hmm. if, if, you know, it's, it's, it's strange because if, elections, if, an ele- if an election is a truly public act, it seems to require a lot of private resources to do it successfully. Uh, so one solution is to, to make elections fully public, where there is no money, no private money. But then you get into all kinds of other issues, but, but, and that, that's, a, that's a, a pipe dream. It's right. not going to happen yeah. in my lifetime. And, uh, but it, it's, it's uh, something that hasn't talked about. The one way to bring some more civility and information into an election campaign is to take the money out, uh, and then you have no other choice but to appeal to, to voters uh, and not necessarily to agitate your base and, and, and whatever biases and, and whatever predispositions they may have. Can you, uh, can you cover your aggression with convincing conversation and a smile? In other words, is it not what you say, but how you say it? Well, for sure, um, it's how you say it. It's, 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 it's how you deliver your message, absolutely. Um, but it's not just 
having a smile when you're criticizing or having a smile when you're hurling attacks. It's the whole narrative. Um, you can have a smile on your face, and we've seen politicians who, who do that while they're talking nasty policies or, 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 or making claims against an opponent. Uh, it's not just a facial expression. It's the whole narrative. And if the narrative, if the whole discourse is negative, generally speaking, if it's a negative cloud, a negative air, a toxic air, um, then no smile on the face is going to erase much of that. Right. Uh, and, that and, and like you pointed out, extremism or appeal to extremism can be very profitable. Does it lose its luster? Uh, you know, looking south of the border and what's happening there, it's obviously working for Donald Trump. Um, but on the other hand, at, at what point does it lose its appeal? Well, you know, th- that's where the electorate comes in. Uh, and if you look at the history of positive and negative campaigns, when do, do they succeed? When they match the electorate's mood. Um, in 2015, maybe the electorate was a little bit fed up with the nastiness. And so the positive campaign of, of the liberals was maybe a welcome change. Uh, but if the electorate turns vindictive, if, if they want to seek revenge, the negative campaigning or negative, uh, or negative approach will appeal to that. So it all depends on the mood of the electorate. Are they in a good mood or are they in a nasty mood? How will this next election be different for the prime minister than the first? Well, he said it will be the nastiest election, so he's going to be the, very positive. I'm not too sure how to reconcile those two you know, extremes. Um, I think it will be far, far more challenging for the liberals in 2019 than in 2015. Um, there, is a, there was a mood of, of a desire for change. There was a mood for a desire of, of less negativity. Um, but that mood may have dissipated because of, of the global climate that we're in. What will be the mood heading into this election, do you think? It could be a, a, a disaggregated mood. There will be pockets of voters who, 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 uh, who um, uh, crave the positivity and the civility but then there are also large pockets of voters who are ready to, to bring out the knives. Um, it all depends on how much politics they've been exposed to and how much, how much politics they get engaged in, and also how easily they've been recruited by one side or another. To, to, you know, we, we talked about you know, false dichotomies. When a narrative forces voters or forces citizens to think of themselves as either they are on this camp or that camp, um, then it, it can uh, it, it can get them to, to think defensively about how they approach politics, and it, it may make them more likely to be open to negative campaigning. So it it all depends on which voters are we talking about, and, and in this country, it also depends on which voters in which regions are we talking about. And that's something that we're not 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 yet sure. I don't have the hmm. details on that, but if it will require some pretty pretty detailed and extensive uh, surveying to find out how. What is the mood of the electorate? But superficially, I think the electorate has become a, a, a little a little less open to positiveness. Uh, and if that continues in 2019, will likely be a negative campaign. Is that because of lack of performance? Could be. Could be uh, some broken promises. Um, it could also be that... Like, at what point does the bluster have to equal performance? Same thing, we could say the same thing south of the border. I mean, there's certainly lots of bluster. Uh, the sad part is, is anything that is done that may be good gets lost in the sauce. Uh, at what time, at what point do you match, you know, equate the bluster with performance? 
Well, the performance issues is a bit of a problem. There have been some broken promises. And there are a lot of Canadians who are still upset at, at the Liberals for those broken promises. And then there are some promises that are fulfilled uh, that the Liberals haven't quite yet dominated the narrative. Uh, I'm not sure how, how successful they are in dominating the narrative on the pipelines issue. Um, it's unclear how well they're going to dominate the narrative on uh, the free trade issue, the NAFTA 2.0 or the USMCA issue, uh, because as, as we know, um, the, the, Doug Ford is already saying that this is a bad deal for dairy farmers, and, and he, he demands the compensation for affected uh, farmers. Uh, and and not, not to mention the stand that Ford is taking on um, climate change, along with uh, you know partners in other parts of Canada, you know, uh, such as the Premier of Saskatchewan. So, um, which which issue area has the Liberals been able to dominate the narrative? I'm not too sure. The environment, I'm not too sure. Um, pipelines, not too sure. Free trade, not too sure. So this is a problem. And if you don't dominate the narrative, then you're opening yourself up to the opposition, to opponents, to contribute to the narrative. And that's the problem. That if you don't, if, if you don't have control over the narrative, then then you're you're in a, a trench warfare. All parties can be aggressive, no matter what side of, of the fence you're on. Is is the aggressiveness from the left different from the aggressiveness? from the right, and vice versa? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, where they, they, they both can be ag- aggressive in terms of you know, quantity of aggression, but they may use different symbols. They may appeal to different um, artifacts. Uh, I'm not too sure, but my impression is there are differences, and it could be that, that um, it has to do with the voters. Uh, who is more likely to vote for parties of the right? What is more likely to appeal to them? One more subtle than the other? Well, not too sure. I uh, guess it depends, doesn't it? It does depend. Yeah. Th- th- that's more of a psychological question. Like, what appeals to them? You know, fear, uh, anxiety, um, anger. Uh, all these, all these sentiments can um, lead one to be open to negative, to negative messages. Is the political tide in Canada changing? We've seen changes in Quebec. We've seen changes in Ontario. Uh, you mentioned about what's happening out west. Obviously, Alberta and BC will have to go to uh, the polls soon. Is there a changing of the tide in Canada? There seems to be a changing mood. And um, if you look back in history, it probably parallels to what we've seen in the 1930s, where at, at the provincial level, at least, um, we're seeing the, the rise of now we're seeing the rise of uh, populist leaders. At the time, they were almost fascists. You know, in Quebec, you know, Maurice de Plessis, he was pretty much a fascist, um, and and in and, and many senses of the word, and many parts of the world were being uh, uh, were falling into the the fascist mood. They may not have put in power a Mussolini or a Hitler, but uh, the, if you look in the 1930s, you'll see all over the world this move towards authoritarianism and a mood towards populism. Um, and is populism seeing, a bad word? Well, it, it's not necessarily a bad word, uh, but it is a movement that, um, that taps into a sense of, of anger uh, in, in the citizenry, in the population, and that anger is directed towards the enemy that it's, a, that it's directed towards is, in, in, is the elite, uh, just who are the elite. Um, you know, we can discuss sociologically who the elite are, but politically, the elite is often the the, the intelligentsia, you know, civil servants, uh, judges, uh, as opposed to you know CEOs 
um, you know, foreign property owners, you know, bankers. So who are the elites? Well, it, it, if, if, if voters are angry, then they, they want to blame somebody. And if the narrative is the reason why our country is in such bad shape um, is because of these people, um, but they also have to be persuaded that the country or their, or their province is in bad shape. And again, who controls that narrative? Is, the pop, is populism the, the pendulum swinging back? It, it and then, a little, in a sense, is that not democracy? Well, democracy... Not that I'm sticking up for populism here. I'm just trying to understand it all. Well, the, democracy is, is this idea that the state responds to the wishes and demands and needs of the people, as opposed to an authoritarian system where the people are responsive to the state. Right. Um, and populism seems to be one form of people saying, we want our demands heard. Uh, whether the solution at the end is a democratic solution or not, that, that is to unfold as more chapters are written in, in this saga of, of, of democratic deliberation. How, how, are we overanalyzing this in the sense that, and we've had this discussion on the show many times, that the past Ontario government just took the province too far to the left. It kept going farther left and farther left and farther left in order to, uh, of course, head off the NDP at the pass. When something like that happens, is this not the pendulum swinging back? It could be, yes. When, when, you, when, you, take, um, when you take, when you push forward policies that are pushed or directed towards one end of the ideological spectrum or the other, uh, it, it will create tension uh, with the population who may want it to go a little bit the other way. Um, so the policy direction of a government has to match with the mood of the population to have that sort of equilibrium or that peace. Mm. Otherwise, you have tension. That's natural. So, um, And you could even see it you'll, you'll, if, if uh, a state or, or province or, or government pushes too far to the right, you'll see the population sure. eventually demanding that it be a little more to the left. Uh, that's, that's natural. That happens everywhere all the time. Andrea Perella has been with us, Associate Professor, Director, Laurier Institute for the Study of Public Opinion and Policy, Wilfrid Laurier University. Fascinating discussion, Andrea. Thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, yeah, we have to talk about this because it is, you know, as much as you want, as I thought all of this was over and we're moving on and the process has started, uh, a municipal election, of course, anything can happen, especially when you have uh, uh, such a divisive issue as as LRT has been over the years. But as I mentioned uh, prior to uh, the news at one o'clock, uh, I've been fortunate enough in my 30 some odd years in, in, in broadcasting to work all over the country. And Hamilton's a great city. I've never, I've, I've never been in a city with such heart. I've never been in a city that they will give you the shirt off your back. Uh, it's a gritty city. It's a city that never gives up. But it's also a city that sometimes makes some really stupid decisions. And those decisions often put the city back, and it takes decades or at least one to get over. And that's what I've noticed about Hamilton compared to all of the other cities that I've been fortunate enough to live in in the last 34 years and or work in. And uh, we've seen it with the LRT. We've seen it with the stadium. Luke and I were joking. You can go back to the 1920s of the Hamilton Tigers. 
you can go back to railway strikes. You can go back to, uh, you know, all of the, the, the upheaval that there has been in Hamilton over the years in, in regard to labor and such. And it just seems odd that we cannot take one step forward without taking two steps back. And we're seeing it again with the LRT scenario. Um, again, I, I, I just, I don't understand it. And I, I don't understand why we constantly look a gift horse in the mouth and, and, and are more concerned with trying to find a way to screw it up rather than push it forward and change. You cannot go backwards. You can only move forwards. And all we have to do is look at the stadium situation. Hate to bring it up again, but here's another great example of a stupid decision. How many times did they say to put it into the West Harbor? And of course, the Thai Cats wanted nothing to do with that. And then politicians jumped on board. And na 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 na. And then in the 11th hour, we're trying to find a, a, a location and we aim, end up in the same damn location that they started in. Now you look at James Street and what's happened there. My God, you can stand on the site of the old Ream facility. You can see the GO station from there. How anyone in the Cat organization can stand anywhere near that end of the city and not think, oh man, we goofed. We goofed big time. And we're about to do it again with an LRT. We were joking about the, the Hamilton Tigers hockey team. Everyone's trying to get a hockey team as everybody else passes us by. You know what? It's over. It's done. The opportunity was back in the 1920s and gave that up because, oh, don't want to play unless we're getting more money. Not fair to the owner, not fair for the employees. The owner's getting all the money. We're heading into the playoffs. We'll show them. We'll strike. And of course, the team ends up in New York and long story short, now the New York Rangers. That's your hockey team, Hamilton. There it is. Go take a look in other cities. You may find your stadium. You may find your LRT as well. When the hell are you going to wake up and move forward instead of backwards? No, not every idea is perfect. No, not every idea doesn't come with a pile of problems. But man, going backwards does nothing. And here we are too. a town hall by telephone that was held uh, yesterday by mayoral candidate Vito Scro. MPP Donna Skelly was there. MP Bob Bertina took part, both from different sides of the fence, but both are anti-LRT. Have we not already had this discussion? Are we not already moving forward? Why do we have to kill it at every cost? And do you honestly think you're going to get a giant check with a billion dollars and no strings attached? You're nuts. When they're fighting and trying to subsidize the healthcare system, the educational system, and all the shortages there are, do you think they're just going to write a blank check to Hamilton? For a billion bucks to do what you want, it ain't gonna happen. And you're stupid to think that it is. Take the gift that you have, that no one else got, and run with it. Well, you can. That's my advice. Let's move on. I'll try to be as neutral as I can on this. By the way, we're about to bring in hashtag YesLRT. We tried for no LRT Hamilton. They are unavailable. We will try to get them on as soon as we can. Carl Andrus is with us from the hashtag YesLRT campaign. A telephone uh, town hall held yesterday, as I mentioned, and uh, those two politicians uh, there. Carl, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. What happened at this? Uh, uh, you were a part of this. You were listening to part of it. What happened? 
Um, basically, um, what, what, what I saw was what I, um, a lot of people are calling an act of desperation. I mean, to, to drag out uh, former city councillors and, and, and mayors to prop up a campaign because your no LRT single-issue candidacy is failing um, was, uh, was laughable. We did get um, some reassurance from Donna Skelly that the billion dollars is for LRT and is available, and the Conservative government will support the project moving forward. Which was uh, was relieving to say in the least, but um, what what I, I saw there did was she say any of... did she say that there was a billion dollar ATM sitting there if we didn't take LRT to use on other transit or infrastructure? She, they, she mentioned that they would support future approved transit and infrastructure projects. But again, I don't know if your your listeners are aware that we are now ten years into this project in terms of studying staff time, researching. One hundred thirty seven million dollars have been spent or committed to dates on, on the project. So even if we were to decide to abort LRT and go with a something different, it would take us another 10 years before we would see shovels in the ground, whereas if LRT continues to move forward, we will have shovels in the ground in six months. So did they clarify, because this seems to be the, 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 big, uh, uh, the big rumor here, that, if, that we've got a billion dollars sitting in a big trunk, and if we don't spend it on LRT, that we can spend it on other uh, transit-related infrastructure. Did anybody say that was the case? There was no firm 100% committal that came out of that town hall that said, oh, by the way, there is this giant pile of money that's available if you change courses. And what your listeners have got to realize is this is basically debt service. So what they're doing is they're building this billion-dollar LRT on the expectation that it will generate revenue. Um, to cover the cost of that billion dollars. So it's, it's, a, it's a debt service. We're not exactly, um, you know, it's like you said, there's not a big pile of cash sitting in a trunk somewhere that Hamilton can just dive into to build a, you know, a new bypass here or a highway there. It's very much a, um, a, a false dichotomy to, to expect any government to just hand a billion dollars over to municipalities to do whatever they want with. So Could you imagine if all across Ontario, even in conservative-supported municipalities, if they they saw Hamilton get a billion dollars for for whatever they wanted? Well, they're already watch. They're build. already watching Hamilton get a billion dollars and not have to pay a portion of it themselves, the way Kitchener and other cities have had to. So, my goodness, I don't know what they want here. Um, uh, talk about this town hall, how it functioned, how it worked. And the fact that we've got two politicians, an MP and an MPP there, that are obviously anti-LRT, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, you know, everybody's entitled to speak their opinion and such, but is, is this right? It seems very inappropriate to, to my mind for, for those sitting politicians to uh, appear in a municipal campaign. I, I, I it, it stinks as far as I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, yes, of course, um, we're in a democracy and everyone has their, their right to, to, to do or express their support for whomever, but it really, really seemed like... Um, Bertina and Skelly were there to prop up a failing mayoral candidacy, even though they protest and say that they weren't there to support the candidate, only to ask questions. That didn't appear like that to me at all. And I don't think it appeared like that to a lot of the people who listened to the town hall on the phone. So what were some of the questions? What were some of the comments? Can you give us any idea? Obviously, uh, obviously, your, obviously your opinion is biased because of your less yes LRT stance. We'll take that into consideration. But what can you tell us? 
very much so. So there was a lot of uh, questions about um, uh, what would happen if not LRT. And there was a lot of vague promises made about $300 million to buy more buses. Now, the problem with that that commitment specifically is that the LRT is revenue neutral. It's it's self-generating. Whereas if we buy more buses, that's more bus drivers. And that, although um, we really need to expand the HSR, that means increased taxes, especially increased transit taxes. And that's what the veto campaign didn't even touch on in that town hall. Is when they say, oh, we're going to you know, buy a bunch more buses, that's excellent. But you can't just buy a bunch more buses without increasing tax revenue to pay for those buses, to pay for the upkeep, the maintenance, the drivers. And I'm for that, but I, I hope that uh, taxpayers are aware that they would be on the hook for that if they followed through with his plan to spend $300 million of that supposed ATM billion dollars that doesn't exist on buses. Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Carl. Um, you know, is it not good to still have this debate, even though, you know, we've already started the process? You said we're 10 years into this. I- is it good to still be having this debate? I'm, I, I mean, uh, debate is healthy in any democracy, and I wish um, rather than no voices that we had uh, people who were contributing some of their concerns to the positivity of moving the project forward as opposed to just killing it. But I, I'm, you talked a lot about history on your intro, and I, I want to mention uh, history in 1981, the last time we had a tra- chance to build a, uh, an LRT system in Hamilton. A lot of the same arguments came up, a lot of the same debates, mm-hmm. and Hamilton does have a history of shooting itself in the foot. I remember talking to former Mayor Bob Morrow about this. Yeah, so there was an opportunity to build that system, and the no people got it quashed. They, were, they had the same arguments. It was going to nowhere. Um, we can do other stuff. We can get more buses. And as soon as the project was killed, do you know what we got afterwards? Nothing. Yeah. Zero. Nothing replaced it. The money went away and ended up becoming Vancouver SkyTrain. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. We have an opportunity to, to a historic opportunity, in fact, to build this system. Or we can, you know, hope and pray for a magical unicorn that I don't think is going to happen. Or we can go with a signed contract that we have with the province now for a 100% sure thing. Why is historically Hamilton like this? Most cities would take it and run. That's an excellent question. I mean, I've, I've grown up in this city. Uh, I've, I've been here most of my life. And um, I think because of our, our historic rivalry with Toronto, we've kind of got a sense that we're, we're not the same. Uh, we don't deserve these things. It's kind of like Hamilton's got a self-esteem complex in a little bit, that we're proud about a lot of things, but we're also, we don't think that we are a world-class city. I mean, if you consider in the next 20 years, we're going to be pushing three-quarters of a million people in this city. It's time for us to stop thinking so provincially. Is that changing? I mean, certainly with this renaissance it is. How can it not be? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it has to change. I mean, we've lost a good bulk of our uh, previous uh, tax revenue from commercial, especially the steel industries and the heavy industry that used to, that you know, made this town what it is that we all grew up with, that money is gone now. So we really, we need to change and we need to look towards the future, towards generating high-tech jobs that come with LRT. And we, we really need to start getting over this kind of provincial attitude. And you're seeing that on Ottawa Street, on James North. You're seeing revitalization up on the mountain, uh, Concession Street. I mean, there, there are pockets of, of, of progress across the city, but it, it's certainly not uniform and it, it's certainly uh, in spite of, not because of, I think, you know, a lot of ways, the attitude about Hamilton. 
Uh, let me read you this uh, email. This is from Dave. It says, Amen, Scott. I heard Donna, Donna Skelly say on the news that the billion dollars must be spent on transit-related projects so we cannot spend a billion dollars on infrastructure or any other project. So if we turn down LRT, I predict we will get nothing, not a penny. The government will have uh, will have their out. BRT or any other transit project has no signed contract of intent. So again, nothing, not Zilla, any uh, any label you want to put on it. Uh, Dave brings up an interesting point here in the sense that, you know, everybody's willing to turn this deal down, which is already 10 years in, and there really is no formal option. There is no other deal on the table. This is all just speculation. The, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, it's not like we've got a report with this and we've got a report with this. Each one's a billion dollars. You take the one you want. There's only LRT. There is no other agreement for the billion dollars, is there? Yes, there, there is absolutely not. There is no transit plan in place that's been researched, that's been studied. So if we turn this down, then that billion dollars, it, it, we go back to square one. And we then, and then we have to, to go one. through a process of approval, and those projects have to be approved. They do. And, and the, the, that, that kind of approval and those kind of projects, they take sometimes decades to plan. I mean, if you look at the... the As the, this the, one has. Yeah, as this one has exactly. If you take a look at the, the Red Hill Expressway, that was an ongoing matter for you know uh, almost my entire life. Yeah. We were talking about the Red Hill Expressway. Yeah. So I, I I think that this is an opportunity to build jobs uh, for the city of Hamilton, both uh, almost 5,000 jobs during construction for Hamiltonians, as well as 300 permanent jobs to, to operate and maintain the system. There's an opportunity. We're already seeing massive investment in Kitchener-Waterloo and massive speculative investment in downtown Hamilton right now just because LRT as far as the investors were concerned, was a done deal. And this is going to create better tax revenue for us and altogether a better city, I believe. Uh, the Red Hill, another perfect example. Did we learn anything from that? I mean, look how that area has exploded in, in the business park up there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the, and the thing is, that's one of those those arguments that I, I hear all the time against LRT. Well, it doesn't benefit me. Well, I live downtown. The Red Hill really didn't do a whole lot for me, but my property taxes still help pay for it. Why? Because we're one city. And what benefits one part of the city benefits all of the city. We're seeing a massive uh, growth with the Red Hill Expressway, and I think you'll see the same growth downtown and across the entire lower city with LRT. And I, I also want to remind your, your listeners that LRT is the B in the BLAST network, which is a series of public um, rapid transit networks that are going to connect all of the city, all of the suburbs together. So once we, we get the, the B line started, we've already had partial commitment for funding for the A line and the T line, which would connect the mountain to the LRT system. So this isn't just LRT for the lower city by itself and the jobs and the tax revenue that comes with it. This is also part of a wider plan to expand public transit and rapid transit across the city. How concerned are you uh, that this could be derailed, Carl? Um, I mean, history in Hamilton has a tendency to repeat itself. So um, I, I, myself and a bunch of the uh, Yes LRT volunteer activists weren't really concerned going into the election, but as we listen to more and more of the the lies and the noise and the nonsense that we've really felt that we had to get involved just to make sure that people were getting the truth and that they didn't jeopardize this project. So I, I say I'm 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 a little concerned, but I'm 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 not. At the end of the day, this is a solid project. It's already underway. I can't imagine most Hamilton taxpayers wanting to crumple up and throw away 137 million or so already spent. Um, whether it's the province that eats that, the city that eats that, or whoever eats that, 
just to, just because of um, they don't believe that Hamilton makes moving. Carl Andros has been with us. Hashtag yes, LRT campaign. Caught part of last night's town hall in which uh, mayoral candidate Vito Scro and MPP Donna Skelly and MP Bobertina took part, uh, both obviously uh, not in favor of LRT. We, I should also mention we tried to get no LRT Hamilton on, and they were unavailable to come on today. Uh, we will, of course, will try to get them on to get their uh, position on this. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, I'm going to play you a small portion of the rant earlier on because if I do it again, I'll level the blow a gasket. Uh, Here's a sample of what started all of this. Have we not already had this discussion? Are we not already moving forward? Why do we have to kill it at every cost? And do you honestly think you're going to get a giant check with a billion dollars and no strings attached? You're nuts. When they're fighting and trying to subsidize the healthcare system, the educational system, and all the shortages there are, do you think they're just going to write a blank check to Hamilton for a billion bucks to do what you want? It ain't going to happen. And you're stupid to think that it is. Take the gift that you have that no one else got and run with it while you can. That's my advice. All right, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Here we go. We're starting with Fred. Fred, the question is, is this an election issue for you? Go ahead. Yes, it is. And the reason why it is, Scott, when they did the Red Hill and the link, it was for all Hamilton Wentworth. They proffered Hamilton Wentworth. To do this LRT is just for downtown. I live on the escarpment. It will not help me. And if they don't give us any money, whatever, I don't care. As long as they don't build the LRT. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, what if you're in Dundas? The LRT, well, the, the red, the way. LRT, the Red Hill doesn't affect anyone there. If you're moving people around the city, you're generating revenue within the city. How does it not affect every Hamiltonian? Well, I honestly think the argument, because this damn thing doesn't go past your door, that it's of no use for you, is just silly. Well, uh, let me hear me out, Scott. So we because it doesn't city, go by we your have friend an area in Hamilton, Wentworth, called Satellite City. They don't even have a bus. They don't have nothing to get here down for downtown. So do you think that turning down the LRT is going to fix that? No. I, what I, what End of my question. All right, let's come back. Jeff's on the line. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. And my point to the last caller is, again, we don't have this. Why do we want this? We don't have this. Do you honestly think by turning down the billion-dollar LRT, you will get that? And the last caller said, no. Oh. All right, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Is this an election issue for you? It is the biggest election issue for me. Go um, ahead. If we turn it down, we are stupid. This needs to happen. This is good. What's good for Hamilton? It's good for the whole city. I don't care what ward you live. I don't ward seven. I'm on the mountain. I support this fully. You, you can't turn something like this down. It's just it's nuts to me. Are you sub- I saw a sign today for uh, the Vito Stroll that... Uh, the billion dollar train vote for uh, vote for infrastructure. This guy is already saying that the money's good for to go somewhere else. I mean, he's putting it on his election side. It's crazy. 
How can you do that? I, I don't know. And again, you know, uh, apparently it can be used for other transit-approved projects, but I'm not sure what other transit-approved projects we have at this time and whether that billion dollars will be available by the time we figure that out. Jeff, thanks for uh, the call. Much appreciated. Should we keep score here? Yes, no. All right. We got one each right now. Uh, let's go to Tony. Tony, go ahead. Is this an election issue for you? Uh, yes, it is. Go ahead. How come? Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, go ahead. First of all, this is such a scam, okay? Yeah, we've we've got a billion dollars for LRT. Do we really need LRT? Do we need to have this destruction downtown for for what? Just to go east-west? Why don't we go north-south, okay? And and then when we have this track built, do you think we're automatically going to have a train? I just drove through Kitchener. And Kitchener has the tracks laid, and they're waiting for a train. Is that any reason to cancel it all, though, Tony? I don't think, I, I don't care if, you know, if we can get the money, great. Let, let's we've the got money. the money, Tony. It's not a case of if. We've got the money. It's set, across, it's set aside for LRT. What we, we don't know, we, what we don't know is if we turn it down, what sort of agreement there will be for the billion dollars. There is no other plan. There's only a promise that it could be used for other transit-approved projects. There are no other approved projects at this time as large as this one. Do, do we really need an LRT? Do we really have to, you know... <laughs> So, 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 Tony, you're one of those guys that just don't think the city deserves it. I don't think we want it. We were, it was shoved down our throats, as you have to have it to get this money, okay, or else you'll be a, a, the laugh of all of Ontario by turning it down. Now that we know that we can use the money somewhere else, let's use the money somewhere else. We really don't need this train. We really don't need it. And by the time it's built... It's going to be an old train. Can I? Let me ask you this, Tony. Um, we've just had a, a, a professor on from Kitchener talking about exactly what you're talking about up in up, up in Kitchener. Um, they didn't pay. They had to pay for a good portion of theirs. Okay. They didn't and get the free the gift. That, they didn't get the free gift that we got. Where's the train? They're well, waiting for it. <laughs> yes, and it will cut again, Tony. It's just stupid to say, oh, because Bombar- Bombardier hasn't been able to deliver the trains that this project's a failure. That's just silly, Tony. I'm sorry. Uh, let's move on. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. There's got to be more to your argument than it's just going to inconvenience me. There's got to be more to your argument than, oh, there's been a delay. There's got to be more to your argument than, you know, what comes with every other construction project of this size. This all happens with every single construction project. Why does that become a deciding factor? You know, the stadium had issues with speakers falling. Does that mean you scrap the whole damn project? Again, I'm sorry, but there does not seem to be any logic for this other than some people think we don't need it. And again, that goes by back to what the professor said, that there's some sort of mentality in Hamilton that we don't deserve what everybody else deserves. It's bizarre. And then they turn down the money and then wonder why nothing ever happens. Let's bring Chuck. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Chuck, is this an election issue for you? It was until I heard your rant about an hour ago, because right now I'm... Uh off that fence, and I'm on on the side of the LRT. Why is that? If, if my uh, if my new alderman, who will replace uh, Matthew Green, thank goodness, um, 
decides that uh, he's against it, then uh, I'm against him. But uh, several years ago, I took that. I took a planning course at Mohawk College for two years, and I agree with everything you said about almost every major project the city has undertaken, and the fact that it's one step forward and two steps back. I, uh, I'm really. Uh, I don't know what to think. And I think the one big thing with the LRT going, going east to west is I think people have to realize that the, the amount of buses that that LRT is going to replace, it just opens up room for expansion out to Dundas, up to Ancaster, out to Satellite City, even up to Waterdown. It just amazes me to no end, Chuck, that people are willing to turn their back on a $1 billion gift from the government when everyone else has had to pay for theirs, and they still find an excuse not to take it. Well, I think if the people of this city think it's an election issue, they're as blind as some of our uh, some of our politicians are. Chuck, thanks for the call. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Mark, is this an election issue for you? It's definitely an election issue for me. Go ahead. I, yeah, it's definitely an election issue for me. I think it's really crazy that the city's going to go with this because of the fact that it once they turn King Street into a two-way street, they still have to run a bus up and down King Street. It's going to be snarled all the way down. I've talked to a friend of mine who owned, who owned, and that's the magic word, owned two businesses in Waterloo, have both been put out of business because of lack of business. Um, I had a business on King Street. I was lucky. I sold it out two years ago. But... I I can't see supporting it. I think we need money. It's interesting Everywhere you should say it's interesting you should it, I think we need a bus system better in this city. It's interesting city. you should say that cuz I just talked to someone who's a professional a, a dentist actually who just sold his practice uh, and again, benefited because even though they have to put up with two years of construction, the person who bought it thinks the LRT is an attraction, and that was exactly the reason why they, they bought the practice, was because of the LRT. Is that the only reason for you? So it's the inconvenience for you that, that bothers you? No, it's you. not an inconvenience. I think it's a waste of money. I think that the money can be spent in better places in the city of Hamilton than one train rail going back and forth. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Mark: Are you concerned that if you turn down the one billion dollar gift for the LRT, that you won't get the money to use for anything else simply because we may not get the full billion dollars, but I know we'll get a good chunk of change out of it because he's already promised it, and he would look like the biggest. How much less do you? How much less do you think we're going to get? Ah, uh, maybe two hundred and fifty million less. So Mark, Mark, I'm, Mark, I'm, Mark, I'm sorry, but to lose $250 million to put buses instead of LRT is, doesn't seem very smart to me, but I thank you for the call. Uh, yeah, it's just we're only going to lose $250 million on this. Holy smokes. <laughs> Alex, what are your thoughts? Is this an election issue for you? I would have to say yes, only in the sense that if... Uh, someone running in my ward or the, uh, you know, uh, mayor, mayoral candidates are going to vote no LRT, I'm not voting for them. Simple as that. I mean, the, the LRT has already been voted in for by previous councils. Suck it up, deal with it, move on, right? I mean, no matter whether you were for it or against it, you know, you got outvoted. It's a democracy. Everybody loses. You know, march on forward. That's an interesting point, Alex. Thanks for the call. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Jason, your thoughts? Is this an election issue for you? No, it's not an election issue, but, like, I don't understand. You, 
because it's free money, you think it's a good idea to have this? No, that's really? not the, that's not the only reason. There's been lots of studies done well, about development and how development has already increased oh, along so the corridor. Oh, because you put a train down the the street, it's it's attracting business somehow. Correct. Really? Yes. Oh, and how was that? Because it's increased, no because it's, in, well, you should talk to somebody at the city about this in, in city mm-hmm. development and economic development, because they will already tell you that that's yeah. one of the reasons we have the renaissance we do is because uh-huh. of the interest in here. You don't believe that? Well, no, of course I don't. Well, that might explain, 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 Jason, why the city takes one step forward and two steps back. Maybe we just don't do enough research because it's out there. <sighs> Uh, it still, it still makes absolutely no sense. Why is a train gonna uh, attract business? Because it moves customers to and from their store, or their outlet, well, or their business. So does the bus. And the train is gonna take up how much road space and how much maintenance every year? Are you kidding me? Have you so, down the so train if, if there hours? is, if there is a, a single excuse, if there is a single excuse why you don't want the LRT, what is it? It's a waste of money, and the upkeep and the inconvenience to everybody is, is going to be horrible. All right. Thanks for the call. Much appreciated, Jason. Let's bring Sue on, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. So far, all I've got for a reason for not building this is the inconvenience that it will cost, and it's a waste of money because some people don't see the development that's already started along the route. So I'm still waiting for a reason, a logical reason, why we're not going to build this other than we don't need it, we don't want it, we don't deserve it. Uh, and there's no reason, valid reason for it, which I don't know. We've been studying the damn thing for 10 years. Uh, Sue, your thoughts. Is this an election issue for you? N- not really. I do believe in the LRT. We need, um, it's, it's been, it's been approved and we need a base. So right now, if it goes east to west, maybe down the road, it'll go north. Oh, you can't build a house without the foundation. You build the house without a foundation; it's bound to crumble. And the and and the positive things like you're going to have water mains repaired. You're going to have yeah, that's another thing. New lamp posts put in. Like you're going to everything. All those repairs that we really desperately need, they're going to be included in this, so that we don't have to shell out extra money to get it done. It'll all be done. Altogether, it's just growing pains. Good point. Thanks, Sue. And I live on the mountain, and I live on the mountain, so I'm all for it. Thanks, Sue. Much appreciated. Well said. Let's bring Jim in. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. We'll get as many in as we can. Jim, go ahead. Election issue for you? Yes, it is. It's because I've just been brought into, I guess, Tom Jackson's new area with reamalgamation, and he's saying he's not in favor of the LRT, I read in the paper, and it's, I'm sorry, he's just going to lose the vote. I, I don't know whether he's trying to keep his job, trying to, hey, get rid of the LRT, and we'll get some more votes from these old folks on the mountain. But i totally in agreement with it. All right. town's vibrant, so we got to yeah. keep it going. All right, Jim, thanks for the call. Much appreciated. Mark, your thoughts. Uh, is this an election issue for you, LRT? Absolutely. Um, this whole issue about how development is being attracted to Hamilton because of LRT is a bunch of hogwash. I know a bunch of developers... They're just paying lip service to it because they know they're going to get some incentives from the city. The thing that's really driving the development in Hamilton with all these condo projects is all the money coming from Toronto into Hamilton because of the affordability issue. 
and to replace a the most um, well-serviced bus line in existence already, which is the B line, with something that goes on to rails, is just a billion-dollar boondoggle. Doesn't LRT complement that development? Absolutely not. What difference does it make? Does anybody care if they get on a piece of transportation that has some rubber tires versus some tracks? And to get the tracks, everything that you have to sacrifice when they don't have a really a working model of what it's going to cost, what the maintenance is going to be, what the ridership is going to be. I don't know. I, I think there's working models. i got to let you go, yeah. Mark. I think there's working models all over the damn world, isn't there? There's one just up the road, almost in, in operational order. Again, I, I, I can't see any reason for not doing this other than we don't need it. It's the inconvenience. It's uh, I just I don't see it. Sophie, uh, oh, election hi. issue for you? Go ahead. Yes, it's not absolutely an election issue. I'm pro-LRT. Um, what we need is a vibrant downtown core because that's what brings the money in. I want people to come. I want students to come in. I want them to be able to get from A to B and eventually me get from A to B without the hassle of taking my car. Um, and the commercial, uh, if I can mention his name, Vito Scro, um, about the woman saying, well, downtown is congested already. Well, that's the whole point. It's congested. This is going to relieve the congestion. If people can get around on public transit easily, relatively cheaply, why would you take your car? Thanks, Sophie. Much appreciated. Uh, Lauren, go ahead. You're on, Lauren. Go ahead. Lauren, go ahead. Yes. I, I am for the LRT. Okay. The money has already been earmarked for the project. I think it's good for the city. It has brought in development. I live in Stony Creek. I might not use it. I'm a senior. I might never use it. But you're, but you're for it. All right. Thank you for the call. Much appreciated. Susan, what are your thoughts? An election issue for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with it. I think they should have the RRT because... For people that that are handicapped like me with a walker, it would be accessible for me because it's hard to get on the bus and everything. And sometimes when the buses are full, I have to wait for two or three buses before I can get on. Mm. Good point, Susan. Thanks for the call. Uh, Remember to turn your radios down if you're on the radio with us because there is a delay. Uh, Dylan, go ahead. Is this an election issue for you? Uh, I live in Kitchener-Waterloo, so no. Uh, The last two and a half years have been painful with the construction we've been going through. But not only the construction of the LRTs, all along that route, the new buildings, the new investment that's been coming to us because of the LRT, there's going to be a little bit more pain that comes when it starts operating. But I I can already tell that it's very worthwhile. The fact that you guys are being offered it for free, where we had to pay two-thirds of the cost, I think you guys are crazy if you don't take it. Thank you, Dylan. Mike, uh, you're the last one. Limited time. Go for it. I don't think we need LRT. I think we have uh, sufficient east-west transit right now, but our north-south transit uh, could be more than uh, it's more than need to develop. It's, it lacks, and our downtown is never going to be what it used to be because. Uh, wow. I feel why much more. I'm cutting you off there. Our downtown is never going to be what it used to be. Are you kidding me? 
How dare you? How dare you say to the next generation of young Hamiltonians that the city won't be as great as it was years ago? My goodness, that pretty much explains it all. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.